Turn with me over to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. The title of the message is Experiencing Community, Devoted Living. Experiencing Community, Devoted Living. Now we are on a series for our mission, meaning I'm I'm articulating what our mission is as a people. Last week we talked about what it meant to encounter Christ. This week is going to be Experience Community, and next week is going to be to extend the kingdom. So that is our three-pronged mission, to encounter Christ, to experience community, and to extend the kingdom. Experience community, devoted living. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, verse 42. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Lord, help us as we study your word. This is the beginning of church life. Peter had just preached the first message after the moment of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 2 through 1 through 4. And the disciples had poured out into the street speaking in other languages that were intelligible to those who were listening. And it amazed everyone who was listening because they heard them speaking in their own dialect to which they were born, meaning that there were nations from all under, all over the face of the earth, there in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost, which was a Jewish feast, to celebrate what God had designed. And at the Feast of Pentecost, God had poured out his spirit upon the disciples, and the disciples then poured out into the street, 120 of them, in joy, speaking in languages that were, were foreign to them, not native. And they were speaking in such a way that the natives began to say, how are these who are Galileans speaking in our languages to which we were born? And the word language there is dialecto, which actually means in the dialect. They would not have been, been amazed if they had just spoken in, in their language. That would have been good enough, but anybody can learn a foreign language if you work hard enough. They heard them speaking in the dialect to which they were born. And most people who get the language hardly ever get the dialect, the way it's supposed to sound. They were, they were shocked, and they said, how can these be Galileans? Now, Galilee was the country. Jerusalem was a big city. So Peter and James and John probably spoke like this, <laughs> had a little drawl to the words. Made two syllables out of one. (laughs) Whatever their country was, meaning their country accent, it was suppressed by what the Holy Spirit was doing so the people could be amazed. Which got their attention and Peter began to stand up and preach as a result. And as a result, he preached a message that was powerful and 3,000 people got born again. And these people now began to establish what we now know as the church. This was the first church. And it says that that this was the result of their joining. That as a result of them being together, they they figured out they needed to do life together. But they didn't know how, really, really. Jesus gave some general principles, but Jesus did not leave an architectural plan about how to do church. He didn't say when you should meet, what time you should meet, where you should meet. He didn't say do small groups. He didn't say have a regular devotional life. He didn't say you need to budget this way or do that. He just said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades won't prevail. And so the the disciples were trying to figure out what it looks like, what it should be like, how it should function. What do you do when all these people now call themselves one? 
And this is what they figured was the best way to, to live. This is how they thought it was the best way. Um, and, and there are four things that we want to talk about. The first thing is that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we're going to talk about teaching, what it means to hear from God. Secondly, they devoted themselves to fellowship, which means togetherness. So we're going to talk about what it means to be together. So teaching, togetherness. Thirdly, breaking of bread, which all y'all love because you like to eat. <laughs> breaking of bread. So what does table talk look like? And then lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. What does it mean to talk to God? Now, the, the four things there can really be broken up into two categories. Communication with God and communication with each other. How to hear from God through teaching and then how to communicate with him through prayer. What does it mean to be together, and what should we do when we are together? It says they devoted themselves to these things. The word devotion means to give constant attention, unbroken attention. And there are many things that the church became. The church began to grow in Acts chapter 2. And as it grew, there were new systems and new things that needed to be added in order to provide a, a, a channel through which the life could best flow. And so structures and how we do things uh, as, as, as according to our custom are important. And God respects that. It's just that when the customs and the traditions get in the way of his spirit and don't allow the things to flow well, then we need to change it or else we are blocking what God wants to do. And that's not the intention. Sometimes our tradition gets in the way. Are you listening to me? Don't let your tradition get in the way. Mary and, and Joseph, in, that, in John chapter 2, had come to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. And they had brought their family. And they lived up in Galilee. And there was a caravan in which they would probably come. And a bunch of people would come at the same time because everybody had to come to Jerusalem at least three times a year for the feasts. And they came. And if, if there was anyone who would obey that, it surely would have been Mary and Joseph knowing that they had God's boy with them. You don't want to report back. We missed that one. <laughs> so they were there. And he, Jesus was 12 at that time. Yes. Could there have been any more responsible 12-year-old in the history of earth? So you didn't have to watch him every day. He was all right. It says that they were leaving after a week. And they just expected that Jesus would always do the right thing. And they were leaving, going back to, to Galilee... And, and I suppose the caravan was going because they thought he was probably with somebody else. Nobody just leaves their child in Jerusalem. So they thought he was with somebody else. That's why I surmised it was a caravan of folks who were going back home. But after a day, they didn't see him. And he said, where's our boy? They lost God. <laughs> they lost God in the way they've always done stuff. In their tradition, they lost God. Where is he? This, we, we do it like this all the time. He's always in tow. He's always here. He didn't show up this time. They went back looking for him. Took them three days to find him. On the third day, they went to the temple. Mary looked in there, saw him debating with all the scholars and PhDs. She, like a mama would do. What's wrong with you, boy? That's a black mama. I'm sorry. See? <laughs> I can't believe you would do this to me. I can't believe. I just can't believe it. Saw him in there. 
Do you not know that we were worried about you? Jesus looked at her with all the respect in the world. Where did you think I would be? But in my father's house, conviction falls on Mary. She can't rebuke him, can't discipline him. But we can lose God in our regularity if we're not careful. And so we cannot think that God is always going to serve our tradition. We've got to always be sensitive. Lord, what are you doing now? That, does, that is not an excuse for instability. That's just saying, keep your antenna up. Lord, I don't want this to become so normative that I think this is the only way you move. They were there with the apostles teaching. And, and, and the, the beauty about the idea of teaching was, was that Jesus had prepared the disciples for this moment. Remember, they did not have a New Testament hadn't been written yet. Some of these guys would help to write it. All they had was the Old Testament, which brings to light the importance of Christ staying with the disciples for 40 days after he rose from the dead to help them understand how to interpret the Old Testament for this New Testament reality. And so that's what he did. He said, I was right here in Isaiah's prophecy. I was here when God spoke to Abraham. You see that passage there? That talks about me. You see this people group that are supposed to ascend to Mount Zion and come up to the mountain of the Lord? That's the folks you're going to lead. And so he began to talk about the Old Testament in the light of the New Covenant reality, teaching them a 40-day seminar with Jesus. What a moment. What a moment. So that when Peter had the moment at Pentecost, he could stand up with everybody else and say this, know for certain, That God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, both Lord and Christ, beginning to teach them about who Jesus Christ was. And that after a really good sermon about how he came, how he died, and how he rose again. Now you need to respond to the fact that you are complicit in his death. And as a result, they all repented. 3,000 people got right. And these 3,000 people in one day began to say, what do we do now? And this is what we came up with. This is what they came up with with respect to best practice. It doesn't mean it's the only practice. Because as I said, the church began to grow. And as the church grew, it produced things like deacons in Acts chapter 6. And then you had other things that Paul began to talk about with respect to service of worship. In 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14. And so there are practices that are best suited in order to channel the life of God best. And those practices need to be observed in the church, but also with deference to the culture in which the church lives. And God honors these things. And so they first said they gave themselves to this teaching. It's important that you come to church on a regular basis. It is important that you go to small group on a regular. It is important that you read your Bible. Thank you very much. It shows a devotion to the teaching. Constant attention. Like a mama with a one-year-old at the mall who knows he needs to get out of his high chair. High chair. Stroller. You say, I've been there. I'm gone from that place from a long time now. I'm not there anymore. Hallelujah. (laughs) Out of the stroller. Knows he needs to get out and walk around. Mama let him for a minute because he can't stand. She can't stand the fact that he's crying. And what? She does not take her eye off that child. I didn't say daddy. I realize, I'm sorry, maybe it's just me. 
I'd have to look, uh, Joseph, where are you? I'd be looking around all, I've left my child. Yes, I have. I've left him. I've left him. Many times they were left at church. They were left a lot of places. Sorry. I've, I've apologized enough. I feel no conviction now. None, none. It's just what I had to deal with. God helped me. Angels were around. It all was good. But mamas are constantly attentive. Do you give that attention to teaching? Do you love his word? Do you love it? Even when it is contrary to your will. Do you love it? When somebody corrects you, do you bristle up in the back and straighten your your, your spine to say, who are you? Or do you say, thank you, may I please have another? Do you love the word? They gave their attention to the word constantly. They devoted themselves to it. Secondly, they devoted themselves to being together. There's a togetherness that, that needs to be tangibly felt. It's more than just abiding in the same room with somebody. It's, it's having one heart with them. It's developing relationship at a significant level whereby you have opened up your life to someone that gives them the opportunity to hurt you. And every once in a while, they'll take that opportunity. But it doesn't change your relationship with them. It gives you the opportunity now to find out how to identify with Jesus and how he forgave you by forgiving somebody else. A unique place of union with Christ in mercy and grace. Relationships are important with us. They aren't an ancillary thing to our commitment. They are right in there. If I'm committed to Jesus, I'm committed to you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the first commandment, he said. Matthew 22, 37. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's important for us to have relationships that are significant, not just acquaintances. We ought to be together. And, and for us to be together, it takes a whole lot more effort. Because we are intentionally combining people from different streams of life and ethnicities and different backgrounds. And it, it takes a lot of work to make sure we, we stay together. My, most, many of my relationships are with people who don't look like me or think like me. They don't have my experiences growing up. They have no idea how good burnt hair smells. All the black women are going, don't go there. Don't go there, pastor. Don't go there, pastor. I'm going to go there. Black folk have hair like mine, male or female. It's curly. So how do these women walk out looking so pretty on Sunday morning? Because they work hard. That, that's, that's why I love black women so much, especially one black woman. One, 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 one. Because I know how hard they have to work to get out the house. Oh, it doesn't have anything to do with natural beauty. It has to do with what culture says is beautiful. And they do their best to try to identify with the culture. The only way they can get their hair straight is to work hard to do it. And before they had all the stuff they have now, my mama would take my sister, put her between the knees, take a hot comb, 
brass comb with a wooden handle. Put it on the stove. Get it as hot as possible till it was smoking. Just a little glow to the brass. Just a little glow to the brass. Put oil and Vaseline all in the hair. My sister was be there with tears in her eyes. Because she knew mama would miss. Mama would miss. She going to get burned somehow. She going to get burned. See, this, this is black life. This is black life. And so sit there, and then mama would take that comb and pull it through all that nap. And you would hear this. And the smoke would rise. When I go into a black home and I smell burnt hair, that's home, baby. It smelled good to me. A white person, something's burning in here. Do, do you smell that? Do you smell something? something? Yeah. We don't have the same experiences. We don't have the same upbringing. We are as different as night and day. Yet we work really hard here to not make our differences a source of conflict, but of compliment. We work hard at unity. I happen to help guide our entire organization of Every Nation Churches, which is the place where our church finds its home, Every Nation. And I am the North American director for our movement. All the people who I help to guide, 95% of them are white. It's intentional. Not that they are white, it's that I have joined them. Because I want my experience to be different. I want to add to my life, and they want me to add to theirs. And they are grateful that they get to carry my briefcase. They are happy every day that I help lead them. How did that come? Except that some people decide at one point to be together. That we're not going to leave on the basis of our difference. We're going to make our differences a strength. We're going to add to one another rather than looking at how that subtracts from me. We work hard which is the lead-in to the next one, being at the table. It says that they broke bread together. This means more than just eating. Now, eating is a big thing in Middle Eastern culture. It's sharing life. We've reduced eating to devouring. That's all it is. Fast food restaurants, hurry up and get the food and get it down. Drive through. We don't, we don't have to be with anybody. We can do everything we want to do on our own. But, but in the Middle East, eating is, 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 is a ritual. You sit down and you share life and you don't hurry up and get away from the table. It'll be a two or three hour event if you're a guest at somebody's home because it's about getting to know the other party and you have entered into their home and they want to show you the hospitality and kindness that they've got and that is reflected through food. Much more happened at a meal in the Middle East than what happens in our lives in Western culture. Much more. But it means more than just food. 
the emphasis was, was breaking bread, not making bread. In other words, they didn't concentrate on making things, the environment, to suit me. They concentrated on making sure that they would be broken for somebody else's benefit. Jesus was broken for us. When we celebrate communion, his body is broken. We take the bread and we break it that he might be of benefit to us. And when I sit down with somebody, it's not what can you do for me. I'm not trying to strike a deal with them. How can I sacrifice for your benefit? How can I break open my life so that you can benefit? You can be better as a result of my sacrifice. As I said, we work really hard here to, to do the, the, the process of unity. Jesus said, the glory that you have given me, Father, in, in John 17, 22 and 23, I have given them that they may be one even as you and I are one. And that I, as I am in you and you are in me, that they may be in unity like that. That's how we are to be one. But it takes, it takes a lot of effort. And that whatever influence you have been given has been given so that you might perfect unity with others. That you might bring others into your realm so that you can do more together than you could ever do individually. That's why God gives you influence. And we can talk about influence with respect to glory because every time somebody is seen as being a leader, they are seen as being somebody who has a little bit more than anybody else. And it should not be for their own gain. It's not so they can climb the ecclesiastical ladder. It's so that they can produce a people that can climb and find God and reach their community at the same time. That's the only reason a leader has been given influence. is to shepherd his people into green pasture. To lead them where they couldn't go on their own. It takes a lot of work. And to produce what we've got, a little bit more effort. I have to enjoy listening to 91.9. I hired a country boy from North Carolina that hadn't got rid of his drawl yet called Jim Critcher. <laughs> yeah, I did that intentionally. We have a very diverse staff. Just sent out of Korea to plant a church last year in, in Los Angeles. Full blood Korea with his wife and family. He calls me pastor. We planted a church in Vietnam with a Vietnamese. How does that happen? Yet, yet, unless somebody decides, I'm going to break open my life, do the uncomfortable thing, that other people might come to know them better. <laughs> and to be a witness, to be a witness that what, what God's got in heaven can work on the planet. That the diversity we see in glory, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, on earth, just like you see it in glory, which leads me to my last point, prayer. The two middle ones talked about our relationship with people. The two ends, what it means to, to listen to the word, to listen to God, and then to talk to him. They gave themselves to prayer. Now, now prayer is not all about talking. In fact, most of it should be about listening. But we understand prayer to be that which communicates our heart to God. But, but may I say without apology that you aren't a very good conversationalist when it comes to speaking with him. What does 
a supreme inferior have in common with an infinite superior? How do you start? What do you say? This is why the disciples said, Jesus, Lord, you, you know how to talk to God really well. Could you, you teach us to pray? Because like you spend all night with him and I can't even spend five minutes. I'm having a hard time just keeping awake. Please teach, teach us to pray. And everything about the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 is about setting your priorities in order and getting an outline that allows you the privilege of filling it with biblical stuff. And in order to communicate with God well, you, you really need to communicate his thoughts back to him, not your thoughts. Because your thoughts are in one of three categories. Too small, off-center, or completely wrong. <laughs> one of the three. You don't think like him. I don't think like him. The only way I can think like him is if I read what he has said. Which is why you need to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you can begin to think like him and say, oh, this is your will for my life. So Jesus helped the disciples to begin to think like God. He said, pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, you're not just God on the, of, of the universe. You're, you're daddy. Oh, I'm, that means I'm your boy. I'm your girl. I thank you for bringing me in the family. Hallowed be your name. Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't want to take your name in, in vain. I don't want, and that doesn't just mean saying it wrong in the wrong context. That means I don't want to take the name Christian and then not live like it. I don't want to take it in vain. If I'm going to be called a Christian, everybody else out there is going to identify me as such. Not just when I say I am. Hallowed be your name. Let me do nothing to bring shame to your name today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your priority system be mine. I want your will to be in my life. I want your will to be in my family's life. I want your will to be in my church's life. I want your will to be in my friend's life, my foe's life. I want your will to be in my community. Lord, let your kingdom come just like you envisioned it in heaven and is realized on earth. Oh, and God, with respect to my needs, now I can pray. We start off with our needs. I need this. I need a job. I need my health. I need my mind right. I need my child right. I need all these things right. You can't pray right until you get your priorities right, until you worship well. Then you're in the position to be able to communicate to him in the right order what you need. Give me this day my daily bread. Whatever I need today, in order to do your will, let me have it. Oh, and by the way, with my relationships... Help me to love people right because I want to be able to receive your forgiveness like I forgive them. That's a dangerous prayer, y'all, just FYI. Don't just say the Lord's Prayer unless you really mean it. Do you want God to forgive you like you forgive everybody else? Do you really? <laughs> Think about that one. Oh, and Lord, don't, don't let me go the wrong way today. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from every form of evil. I know I'd go the wrong way all by myself. I would. I'd be, I, I, would, I would choose to do the wrong thing, but I am dependent upon your spirit to help me today. Help me to stay right. 
I can't do it on my own. I need you. I am completely dependent upon you for guidance today. Give me wisdom. So you pray God's prayers back to him. You talk his words back to him. And then all of a sudden communication happens beautifully. And he begins to give you insight in the midst of your prayer about what needs to be prayed regarding your needs, what this situation might look like, what you, what, what you might even face today that you don't even know. The Lord will inspire you. Prayer. These four things the church decided they would devote themselves to. And this allowed them to experience community at the deepest level. Do this. Don't just come on Sunday morning. Devote yourself to teaching. Devote yourself to togetherness. Make sure you hang out with others and figure out what it means to break open your comfort life, your life of, of ease and, and normalcy, so that others might benefit, sacrifice for somebody else's well-being. And get your prayer life right. Come to our prayer meetings on Friday night. It'll change your life. It'll change you. I promise you. You come to prayer meeting on Friday night, it will change you. Focus loud. <laughs> Talking to God loud and with intensity. But the reason we have the amount of health and have not experienced the calamity we, we have. We haven't. Yeah, I, you know what I mean. The reason we are in good shape is, is attributable to the grace of God. But expressed... That grace is expressed through the prayers of people who are helping us by partnering with God and communicating the safety and protection we need as a people. Oh, this is community. It's not just Sunday morning. It's life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm asking for your grace. Please inspire and bless us. Help us to live the way we should and do what we should. We honor you for giving us the privilege of serving you.